Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. Happy Hump Day, Wednesday, January 26th. Also the day of what could be the pricking of the biggest stock market bubble in recent memory with the FOMC meeting. But with me as always, my better half, Justin Hill, Billy Boy Campbell. I, of course, am your host, the one and only voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. What's going on, man? How you been? Oh, not too bad. You know, speaking of pricking. Yeah. We were talking. <laughs> give me the, give me the, we the local hillbilly redneck update, please. So, you know, I'm a big advocate of knives and swords and axes and all of those fun things. And uh, even... Even triggered a uh, a Twitter poll of which would you rather or back around back around Christmas. I don't know if you saw that or not. It was a uh, there's a Twitter poll that I was actually responsible for. It was which would you rather receive as a gift a uh, a blowjob or a sword? Uh, I got I got a sword. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I always talk shit with my kids about like a little bit of light stabbing. I, I have a way too many knives and, and blades around the house and uh, my dog's even named blade it's weird that's not that wasn't the name i gave him but nonetheless that is his name um so we were just playing around and, and goofing around the other day and i i had this thing out and was just kind of pretending like i was going to give my son a little just a little poke and then he like freaked out and started flailing all around and actually stabbed himself with it and it is a very sharp blade so so he uh he, he cut himself. It wasn't bad. Like he, he bled a little bit and he learned, learned a valuable life lesson as, as anyone who gets stabbed should. So, you know, just uh, another day in the life of a uh, redneck family. Yeah. That's great. Hillbilly uh, parenting there. I think that's hillbilly little, parenting. One little, one. Don't, don't little, flail around a, a knife. <laughs> Little little day drinking and light stabbing of the children and everything's good. <laughs> well, DCS um, is totally going to roll up on me after this episode. Right. <laughs> yeah, actually, I've got a good story on that too, but we we can get into it later. Excellent. Yeah, this is all part of Justin's <laughs> diabolical plan to get rid of half of his kids, so he's down to a what a baker's dozen in the house with that. Oh man! Well, I don't have any stabbings to report on my end. I am um, not a That's whole lot going on. Got out here. of Chicago. Well, yeah, yeah. If I was in Chicago, probably carjackings, stabbings. Car carjackings were up like I don't know if you saw any of those charts that, that were floating around the internet, like astronomically higher. There's like two thousand carjackings or something. It's crazy. 
Um, yeah, thankfully I'm not there. I am still south of the border and uh, dealing with construction noise and, and other distractions that I'm told you guys can't hear. But if I look distracted, it's a cross between um, my ADD and uh, the drilling and sawing that's going on just outside my door that I haven't really been out much yet. I don't know if you can tell my tan has faded. I did all the COVID quarantining, but I am uh, happy to report I survived once again my third bout with the most devastating virus to ever reap the earth. Feeling good. Ready to get back uh, back into the swing of things. I know it's been about a week since our last episode, so we got kind of a good amount of stuff to catch up on. But yeah, everything's good over here. No stabbings. No more COVID for a while. I know you sound like you had just got over it. You had a, a scratchy throat and a bit of a headache for a day or two. And that, I mean, that is uh, right down the checklist. First ballot, fucking COVID Omicron. So congratulations on surviving that. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, it was horrible. So, so horrible that uh, I'm regretting the decision to skip a couple of days of work. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised, you know, I'm sure it seemed like it was worth shutting down the entire universe until further notice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, since we've been gone... We missed the the one year anniversary of Joe Biden being sworn into office. He decided to commemorate that with his second press conference, which when you just think about it, two press conferences in a year for the, the sitting president is that's got to be a record, a record low. Um, I mean, even even presidents that they didn't want on camera, that they wanted to hide from the world, like paralyzed ones, uh, they were on camera more than Joe Biden has been. And for good reason. I mean, if anybody paid attention and, and saw some of that press conference, he's, he's just terrible at all of this. Um, he has nothing to talk about. That's the other thing. I was surprised that they actually decided to have one. Um, I wouldn't be commemorating anything if I was Joe Biden in office, except maybe, I guess, you know, the um, unwinding of the Afghanistan war, which didn't go too smoothly, if you all remember correctly, but at least you could hang your hat on ending the longest war in American history. But, you know, I don't even know if that came up during the press conference as well, like his only thing that could be considered an accomplishment. I don't think he mentioned. but. He, he has not, like literally no leg to stand on. His approval ratings are in the tank. I think they're, I, I heard they were lower than Donald Trump. Like I never put that much, um, you know, emphasis on, on these polls and approval ratings and everything, but you can, you know, compare it to previous presidents. And I mean, lower than George W. Bush, lower than Donald Trump. That's another great reason to have a press conference, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, like he's breaking all sorts of records. Uh, we have the highest inflation probably ever. Even, you know, they're admitting to what, 6%? They're admitting to that. And I think if I remember correctly, when they came out with wage and price controls, we were at 4%, like in the 70s. Um, and we're, we're they're admitting oh, yeah, to being above easily, that. 
easily the highest in 40 years, if not, I mean, the highest in our lifetime for sure. Yeah. And possibly ever. Yeah. And if you go on like shadow stats or something and you calculated the way they did back then, now, like you're looking at easily double digit inflation. Like we've all talked about the anecdotal stuff, you know, my scallops that I haven't had in over a year now because the price has more than doubled. And so, yeah, record inflation, the, um, when the other thing that sort of coincides with that is the, uh, the federal open market committee meeting that they just had, I think they broke, I mean, it's about three 30 now. I think they started at two and they may still be fielding fucking questions for all I know, but the, the feds painted themselves into this corner that we've been talking about on the show for, you know, since its inception where, they've their stated goal is to blow up this stock market bubble right they want they want to inflate people's assets so that you feel wealthier even though you're not actually getting more money in and then you can go into debt which is like the favorite you know the favorite thing that the government wants you to do for whatever reason come up with a, a number of theories for that if you want but they want you in debt and they want you to feel richer so you can borrow against these portfolios and overpay for houses and overpay for college and borrow, borrow, borrow and spend, spend, spend to goose this economy. The problem with that is in order to stop that, you have to raise in order to stop the, you know, the decimation of the dollar and the high inflation that we're seeing is the, the Federal uh, Reserve is going to have to raise interest rates. They have to. Um, you can't have 0% interest rates forever. I mean, I'm not going to pretend they don't want to do that. Right. I'm not going to pretend to know what the price of borrowing money should be. I know it's not zero. It shouldn't be free and it shouldn't be negative. Like you shouldn't have to pay somebody <laughs> to, to, to lend you money um, or to borrow, to borrow money, to borrow your money. Uh but so in order to do that, they have to raise these interest rates, but then that destroys all of these asset bubbles that they've spent the last, what is it now? Almost 15 years blowing up. I mean, I guess 20 years, if you want to go all the way back to the, the tech uh, bubble bursting and they, they blew up the housing bubble and then that burst. And now there's just a bubble, like everywhere you look, asset prices are, are so fucking inflated. And if you look at a chart of the, the Dow or something like that, you'll see this astronomical rise after it dipped down for the COVID thing. It's just been to the moon as the Fed's balance sheet has gone from like a couple trillion back up to over 8 trillion now. So they've, they've spent $8 trillion on uh, treasury bills and treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities. That's the quantitative easing that they resume doing in the in the wake of covid and their balance sheet has just exploded spending is the only thing that this administration has to really hang its head on like i was i was looking at an article the other day that was the going through the accomplishments and the failures of the first year of the biden administration and literally the only thing that they could list for accomplishments of the administration was sending out covid relief checks and a infrastructure bill for yeah. money that the, yeah. the government doesn't have to spend. Like that's that's a hundred percent of the accomplishments was spending money that we already don't have. Yeah, that's gonna be a pretty short paragraph for that article. But you know, and of course, like it's hard to spend other people's money that you're fucking stealing from them. 
I always, it always amazed me that that's the accomplishment. Oh, we spent some more of your money on some shit that you don't want. And then we sent you like 1200 bucks a year after we made you stop working because, you know, some people got the sniffles and it, it really is just fucking unbelievable that that is what we look to government to do now is to steal money from us, spend it on all sorts of bullshit that benefits like the 1% of the 1%, you know, people politically connected, Wall Street, uh, you know, bankers, lobbyists in Washington, D.C., and all these fucking politicians. And then um, a little bit of it trickles down to the American people. You get 1200 bucks, and then like, what, like another 600 or something, as long as you don't make too much money, right? As long as you're like right in the middle of the road, making the average uh, income for, for somebody in the U.S., they'll give you a little now bit see, if you have kids, you've been getting checks for a few months now. We've been getting, we've been oh, getting man, 500 right. bucks a month for three or four months, like just because we have kids. Granted, like that is going to be held against us come tax time. So, but like you don't have a option you can't not cash the check they're still going to hold it against you come tax time like I, I couldn't just write return to sender and and send it back so so like i had to reluctantly take the money but if you had kids you've been getting extra money for the last quarter or so i, I can't remember how many it is because we don't need it so so i just i just sign it and give it to my wife i'm like do whatever you want with it i don't care like i we don't we don't need oh, this yeah. so just throw it at you know throw, throw it at bills Wall or whatever Street casino maybe it. you can double it or triple it before this whole thing comes crumbling down but yeah i did i did forget but I, I mean i'm still practicing on the child front so yeah I, I forgot that you guys have been getting checks this whole time no problem happy to help out everybody with kids no big Thanks. deal yeah whatever you guys need you guys just keep crapping out kids and i'll just keep uh having my tax dollars go towards it <laughs> See, I wonder how much people are like people who legitimately have a whole bunch of kids. Like we own between the two of us, we only claim two of the five on our taxes. Uh, the way the way arrangements are made, the other ones get claimed by other parents or like the 18 year old. He's he's independent. So nobody claims him on. So anyway, we only claim two of the total five. Like, I wonder how much people who have like five, six, seven kids, like how much have they been getting? Because it's based off of like tax returns and stuff. So like, there are some people that are just sitting around like, like, no wonder there are people who have stopped seeking employment. Because if you've got five kids and you're getting, I don't know, $2,000 a month, just because of the fact that you have five kids, like what, what purpose do you have to go back to work? Like you can just sit around and make bank off your kids. And that's and that's not if you were on, uh, you know, government aid of some sort. That's just because COVID and you had kids. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, you know, the other thing to go along with that is that, you know, prior to this whole COVID thing, the government stimulus was usually funneled into the markets, which is why. You'd see, you know, housing prices go up, stock prices would go up. Anything that you would borrow money um, 
to buy, the, the price of that would go up. But you didn't see it like hit grocery stores as much or, you know, things like that. Now they're giving people checks every month and with the, the stated purpose of go out and spend it. And as we, you know, we've talked about on this show and anybody who, you know, follows Austrian school of economics or just has common sense, I think, um, you know, the, 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 the two issues with inflation are, you know, how many dollars are in circulation and how quickly those dollars are changing hands. And so now we've got, you know, this sort of tsunami building up in the, in the stock market and in the housing market and all these places where, you know, the debt fueled stuff. And then you've got people compounding the inflation issue by actually spending money that was created out of thin air or directly into the economy. And that's why we're seeing all this inflation. Joe Biden has no plan uh, to, to really stop this. I mean, I'm sure once the, the, uh, the Federal Reserve tries to raise interest rates, like they've done this before. This, this whole thing was supposed to be temporary. Man. These were emergency powers, basically, for the Federal Reserve. You know, we love emergency powers here at Peddling Fiction. So this is supposed to be a temporary thing. They weren't going to monetize the debt. It was just to get through the 2008, 2009 thing. And then they were going to normalize their balance sheet and get back to, you know, a couple hundred billion on there. And they got up to like, I don't know, four trillion or something like that. And they wound it down. I don't know if you guys remember, this was years ago. This was probably like uh, right before Donald Trump got elected. They started to raise rates a little bit. And you were starting to see, you know, 1500 point drops in the stock market every day. And then they pumped the brakes on that real quick, cut it back down to zero. We've been there ever since. And they got it up. To, the The balance sheet like doubled from back then. It's up around eight trillion dollars, which is just do you remember when the entire national debt was eight trillion? Like right after Bush. I say left that was office? so that was in that last two years of the Obama administration when there was a Republican Senate and House and like everything was kind of uh I don't know if you want to call it like returning to some sort of a semblance of economic uh uh responsibility, but like they were trying to rein in some of the out of control spending, which I mean, that that's funny that Democrat or that the Republicans spent two years trying to be fiscally conservative and actually rein some of that in. And then as soon as Trump got in office, they completely turned tail on that and just went the opposite direction. Like, I mean, what a bunch of fucking sellouts if there uh, ever were one. But yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I remember what you're talking about, because it was like, okay, the, like they're there's a possibility that they could kind of start to write some of this and that coming out of, you know, eight years of Obama, they're starting to, or, you know, at that time, six years of Obama, the Republicans are starting to see that like a lot of these economic policies are, are not paying dividends and you've got to start to rein stuff in a little bit, but I mean, they, they have, they don't have a spine. So as soon as things start to go the wrong direction, especially as soon as things in wall street start to go the wrong direction, then they're getting the flame held to their balls and, and they'll immediately start to turn tail on it and, and reverse reverse course, because we already know who has bought paid for and controls everything that they do in Washington. Right. Yeah, which is why I've always maintained that I think this is going to be an inflationary issue because that's like the pussy politician way out of this whole thing. You you just keep, you know, uh doing, you know, successful things. The the one successful thing was the that the Biden administration did according to whatever the hell you were talking about earlier was print money and spend it. So, that's considered an accomplishment. 
um, the stock market tanking because you're, you're pricking this bubble that the Federal Reserve blew up. That's not considered an accomplishment, even though that's probably, you know, getting all this poison, these toxic assets and shit that have been inflated out of the system, sort of purging it so that we can build an economy, you know, on solid foundation. That, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen. So they'll keep trying to do that and then backpedaling and basically fall back on printing money and giving it to the American people to shut you up, <laughs> you know. It, eventually you're you're gonna end up the the way of any failed fucking democracy has where you get this runaway inflation and you're gonna have major major fucking problems um the likes of which hopefully we'll never see but i just don't see how we get out of this at this point that the fed has i mean they're fucked there's no way out of it you either destroy all these assets that you've blown up by raising interest rates and by the way they're only talking about a quarter point every meeting so for a year and that's like freaking everybody out 25 basis points every year we're still at between zero and 25 on the fed funds rate which is you know what banks use to borrow uh, and lend to each other that's that's what we did under greenspan leading to the housing bubble. We were going, we didn't even get as low as zero. We were at like 1% or something like that, if I remember correctly. And then he was raising a quarter point each time. And that blew up the biggest housing bubble we've ever seen. And, and, and then all of the, um, you know, the, the subsequent uh, market derivatives, these collateralized debt obligations and credit default swaps and all these weird financial instruments that were the direct result of that policy came into fruition. Nobody had ever really used them for that before. And that almost took down the entire financial system. Who knows what's been going on for the last 12, 13 years of zero, of 0%. And then they're going to gradually increase it. And then, you know, people are going to freak out. They're going to start, uh, you know, pulling their money out of the stock market. At the same time, the Federal Reserve is supposed to be shrinking its balance sheet, which means that they have to stop buying the what are they doing? Ninety billion, I think, a month. Uh, you know, it's half. It's like forty billion in treasuries, and maybe it's sixty billion. Forty and twenty, I think, mortgage-backed securities, something like that. But they have to stop buying that. And if they actually want to unwind their balance sheet, they're either going to have to start selling it, or you know, not reinvesting in the treasuries when they uh, when they mature. It's all short-term stuff. But what's going to happen when the biggest buyer of mortgage-backed securities and treasury? Uh, in uh, U.S. Treasuries goes to being the biggest seller. At the same time, you know, when everybody else is trying to get out of the market because they're afraid that the Federal Reserve raising interest rates isn't a good time to be in the stock market. I mean, this the bottom could fall out of this at any second, and the only way to you know stop that from happening is to go back to the inflationary route. So it's like, how do you like your choices? Um, and you know, Biden's well, so. I would say something that could potentially uh, start to move the needle in the correct direction. So I've, I've seen a couple different articles over the last week or so. Democrats are starting to really feel the pinch, especially considering it's a, an election year and considering that there's a very real chance that they're going to lose the Senate and, and they're going to lose the Senate considerably. Like it's going to there. There are projections that it could be a massive swing uh, in the Republicans direction in the Senate. And there is also a 
outside chance that they lose the house as well. And a lot of it is coming on pushback from more purple states and even in even some blue states of pushback against a lot of the the COVID regime type stuff. And because especially in those purple and blue states, they're really feeling the effects of the inflationary policies. So like my, my wife uh, regularly trolls the Joe Biden Facebook page and somebody had commented like, we voted for $15 an hour, not for all of this price, all this price inflation. It's like, well, you kind of voted for both you if did. you actually yeah. understood economics. But uh, so like a lot of, a lot of Democrats and you know, like independents or moderates, whatever you want to call them, like they're really, they're really starting to feel the pinch from this and they're really starting to get pissed off about it. And so the Democrats are trying to kind of scramble the jets to not completely lose everything that they have in Washington. Uh, so they're talking about changing their policies and trying to go after COVID and trying to go after inflation and trying to fix the economy, doing all the things that they have been terrible about for literally the last 20 years. But they're they're talking about trying to actually do things the right way on some of that stuff to keep from losing their power. Now, whether it's too little, too late, or it's all just hollow promises, because like we know what the Democrats, the Democrats say what they need to to keep themselves in office. But at the end of the day, they're never going to actually do it. And people are probably kind of fed up with that anyway. Um, I, I think I don't think they have a snowball's chance in hell of actually holding on to any of those positions, especially some of the uh, the big swing state seats that are really in hot contention. Like, I, I think they're going to lose those pretty handily. But they're at least on the surface starting to say the right things about the COVID regime and the inflationary stuff. So who knows? Maybe maybe the threat of losing power would be enough to push them in the right direction. I, I don't believe it. I, and I don't think it would matter anyway. I think they're going to lose. But we'll yeah. see. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things with that, though, is, as you pointed to earlier, we spend just as much, if not more, when the Republicans have control of these purse strings. It's just, you know, it's on uh, military industrial complex and, and shit like that. Um, but yeah, it is it is interesting to see them try to pivot on the COVID stuff now after all this time, the last two years of just complete bullshit. And then, you know, with his approval ratings in the shitter, you know, it just seems like this administration and like, you know, Biden actually talked about this in the press conference where like somebody was asking him, you know, why he can't get things done. And did he promise too much and overpromise, underdeliver? And, you know, he tried to blame Republicans for that. But, you know, a lot of this shit is being blocked by moderate Democrats. They're not going for the, the big spending stuff. And the, what was the Voting Rights Act was the other one, right? So they are, you know, it, it might almost be better to have the, the Democrats in control with moderate Democrats actually like stopping them from going way too crazy on this stuff than turning it over to the Republicans who will like negotiate some big spending bill. You know, they'll give the Democrats what they want as long as they get to spend another, you know, a couple hundred billion on the military and God knows what else, you know, what the fuck else do they want to spend money on? 
See, that's funny because I've I've talked about that a couple times over the last week uh, in on various shows and stuff. Like like in Georgia, you had uh, Shane Hazel, who's a libertarian, kind of played spoiler to the Republicans down there because both the Republicans who were running for Senate in Georgia were terrible. Like they they're terrible candidates. So, but what ended up happening was two Democrats ended up winning, which put the senate at the 50 50 split that it's at and and like something that i've been saying for over a year now was like i was all for that because i could see the writing on the wall with with people like joe manchin and Kristen cinema and some of the the more moderate democrats that like for as much as the democrats thought that getting that 50 50 split would give them the the vice president as the tiebreaker every time and they were just going to win everything for from now on if anybody who had actually been paying attention to the way these people vote, which, you know, I'm one of those psychopaths who actually does that. Uh, anybody who was paying attention to the way these people vote could see that Manchin and Cinema and about six other more moderate Democrats were not going to support a lot of this extremely progressive policy. So it set up this perfect, it set up this perfect scenario where instead of the Republicans playing spoiler, and being the bad guys all the time, you get to have the Democrats eating their own, and the you get to really see the party split between the more traditional moderate Democrats and the more progressive extreme left, like new left Democrats, and and you get to you would get to see that all play itself out in the Senate. So I was extremely excited about it, and this this past year has been everything that I had hoped for from a 50-50 split in the Senate because you got to see that happening in real time and get to watch the Democrats like butting heads with each other over uh, getting this policy stuff done. So like, it's, it's been beautiful. And, and you're right. Like not it, because if the, if the Republicans were in charge, they would capitulate, they would make deals and all of this spending would continue to happen. Whereas the way it's been, you have Democrats shutting this stuff down. Like they're not, that Joe Joe Manchin isn't making deals on this stuff. He is straight up saying, "I'm not voting for it. It's not happening." And so then it dies. Like it's been beautiful. I've I've loved every minute of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing that I find kind of interesting to watch about this administration, which I think this whole Ukraine thing is kind of part of, is that Joe Biden is fucking old, right? And he has not figured out that like the game is changing. You can't keep keep playing like 1980s fucking politics in 2022. And it's like, well, like his, his, his numbers are in the fucking shitter. He can't control like inflate. Everybody's pissed off about inflation that the jobs aren't, aren't there. You know, the wages aren't increasing. Things are not looking good. He has nothing to talk about at this press conference. So what do you do? Uh, you distract the American people with a war because your numbers go up when we start a fucking bullshit war. And now all of a sudden, like, oh, Russia is back in the fucking news and Ukraine and we got to protect Ukraine. We got to pull. They're pulling everybody out of the embassy because of this imminent Russian threat of a, of a coup. It's not going to work. It, there's no fucking way that, in my opinion, that the American people are going to suddenly approve of Joe Biden and everything that's going on because we're at war again over a place that we don't give a shit about, that most Americans can't find on a fucking map. Right after you ended the longest one, you want to get bogged down in another conflict with fucking Russia. 
I, I just don't, I think that's what's behind this, this big push for this whole Ukraine thing is that he's trying to get his numbers back up and, and sort of save whatever he can in the midterms because, you know, he's being tough on Russia and we got to come together because we're at war or we're going to be at war and all that shit. And I don't, I don't think it's there. I don't think that old trick is still going to work this day and age. So I mentioned wag the dog to my wife. Uh, I think it was yesterday when she, cause she was talking about all the Ukraine stuff and the fact that she has gotten into like actually paying attention to the po- political stuff is kind of impressive. I'm, I'm really proud of her. Uh, like, like actually looking at it the way that I look at it is pretty exciting. Uh, but so she was talking about this Ukraine stuff and she's like, is this like a false flag type thing? I'm like, Oh, I love, I love that. Um, but so I, I asked if she had ever seen the movie Wag the Dog or remembered when that was. Do you remember when that was a, a big thing? It was uh, around the time of the Clinton Lewinsky thing. And he was initiating. I can't remember if it was uh, if it was the Persian Gulf or if it was uh, going back to Iraq or I can't remember what it was. But there was a war that was getting drummed up around the time of the whole Lewinsky scandal and everything. And not long after that, this movie Wag the Dog came out, where basically the president is embroiled in some sort of scandal and they like fully stage a fake war, uh, like full (laughs) movie production style stage a fake war to create all of this, you know, news media around this war that's going on to take attention off of the president and off of everything that he was going through uh yeah domestic wag the dog was the name of the movie it came out in the came out in the mid mid to early 90s uh highly recommend checking it out like i was i was a kid but it it was fascinating to me at the time uh because i for whatever reason i was too involved in political stuff especially with the clinton administration probably because my dad really hated clinton (laughs) but anyway uh so that's that's like that's the way i kind of look at all this (laughs) it's funny that you mentioned that about uh I, I saw an article and I, I happened to have still have it in, in the history so I could pull it back up. Congressman says that angry Tucker Carlson viewers are calling his office because the U.S. isn't siding with Russia. <laughs> <laughs> like the, yeah, well, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. And, you know, it's like, OK, so you got all these domestic problems. Let's focus on some foreign policy shit that. It, it's just it, it can't work anymore. There, there's too many fucking problems at home that are affecting like everyday Americans, especially the ones that would back you in, in some foreign conflict. This is just uh, this is the old playbook, you know, and like sort of the changing of the guard and like them being bureaucrats and bureaucracy in general is way too slow to react to change. This is just going to be an absolute disaster. And, uh, oh, God, what was he talking about? Well, I do think that the American people, especially since the Afghanistan withdrawal, like, on both sides of the aisle, as, you know, in general, the American people have kind of soured on the whole idea of foreign conflict. And so, like, trying to drum something up with this whole Ukraine-Russia thing, that's that's not going to be an easy sell. Like I, I don't see that as a, as a winning strategy. If anything, that's, that's going to take his already. Like, I mean, we've already gone like three weeks in a row talking about record, record low approval ratings for Biden, like every week, if he keeps pushing this issue, 
they're just going to get lower. Like this doesn't, this doesn't do anything to stem that it's, it's just going to push it in the other direction. Yeah. Well, I mean, he'll have the backing of, you know, CNN and the corporate press telling him how presidential he looks as he's, Oh yeah. As he's like imposing all these sanctions. That was the other thing from his press conference that he was like really hanging his hat on was that nobody except Joe Biden would be putting these sanction on uh, sanctions on Putin. Like he is (laughs) just like, here we go again with, Bullshit sanctions, like that's going to bother Vladimir Putin is, is these fucking sanctions, man. These nobody, buy, nobody that they're actually what, like, supposed what to do affect. Buy from Russia. <laughs> but it's like, first of all, yeah, there'll be ways around it, but it's not even like, even if they were, you know, we could put like a complete blockade around them or something. Uh, Vladimir Putin's still going to get his. He's not going to fucking suffer. He's not going to miss a meal just like Kim Jong-un doesn't miss a meal and uh, Maduro doesn't fucking miss a meal. They're going to be fine. You're, you're sanctioning these poor fucking, you know, Joe six packs over in Russia. And it's just, oh God, it, it's very frustrating to watch, but it's going to be very um, rewarding to see the American people finally get it. And I think, I think they get it now. I mean, after the 20 plus years of all the Iraq and Afghanistan shit and, and getting like literally have nothing to show for it. I'm trying to get involved in another foreign conflict when they're actually like the American people are having trouble putting food on their own tables. I don't think there's any appetite for shit going on overseas and seeing them spend, you know, from the less perspective, it's like, Oh, we have all this money to spend on bombing, you know, the Russia or something like that, but we don't have money to cancel student debt and, and things like that. So I, I don't see any um, any will from the American people to get behind him on this or to get a bump in poll numbers. That that's that trick is played out, and he's going to have to come up with something new. And I don't, I think he's got nothing. He's got absolutely nothing. Let's take a quick second and thank one of our other sponsors for today's show, and that is Zipix Toothpicks. These are nicotine-infused toothpicks, and they are also flavored. So it's the best of both worlds. You get a delicious-tasting toothpick that also can curb that nicotine craving. It is a great smokeless alternative to cigarettes. It's a great alternative to all the other over-the-counter nicotine alternatives. It's cheaper than all of those. It's uh, less cumbersome than a lot of them. I mean, it's just a toothpick. You can pop it into your mouth anywhere you want. There's no mess. You can take as much nicotine out of it as you want. You can save it for later if you don't need all the nicotine that's in the toothpick. You can do it indoors. You can do it outdoors. You can do it without anybody knowing that you're actually getting a nicotine fix. So go to ZipixToothpicks.com. Use promo code FICTION for 10% off your order. He's got six different flavors. You can get the ultimate flavor pack if you want to try them all. If you're a smoker or you uh, you chew tobacco or you're on the nicotine gum or the patch or something like that, try out these toothpicks as a, an alternative to what you're already doing. You won't be sorry. So make sure you go to zippixtoothpicks.com. That's Z-I-P-P-I-X toothpicks.com. Order yourself a bunch of these nicotine-infused flavored toothpicks so that you have the perfect alternative to get you that nicotine fix that you need from time to time. Zippixtoothpicks.com, promo code FICTION. Yeah. Yeah. 
the, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun right well and so the the other thing that's gonna be interesting that we were talking about um before we started recording is that justice Breyer is planning to retire it just this the story broke this afternoon i guess he didn't want it to come out justice Breyer was the old guy that was making these really like pompous remarks in the the last supreme court thing where they were talking about the uh the health the mandate for healthcare workers and uh employers with 100 employees he was i don't know he was really bugging me with what he was saying but anyway he's going to retire before the midterms shockingly so that the Joe, the Democrats and Joe Biden can nominate somebody else to fill his his seat. And I just I can't wait for this for a number of reasons. A, they literally just got done lambasting the, you know, Trump for trying to, you know, usher in a new um, a new justice right before an election and everything like that. So now we get to watch them with has it been was it been two years now? When was the Amy Coney? Yeah, it's been about two years. So within two years of that, um, obviously, because we were just talking about an election, um, they're going to turn around and tell you that it's just perfectly acceptable to do this after they just got done arguing that, you know, we need to stack the Supreme Court because all these games that the Republicans are playing right before elections. Well, so the the thing that I find interesting about this is like... Breyer announces that he's going to retire, so that gives the a Democratic president an opportunity to fill his spot. But that doesn't change the makeup of the Supreme Court whatsoever. Like it, you're gonna you're gonna replace. It's not like Tom it, like Thomas isn't retiring. It's right. it's Breyer. So you're gonna a liberal Democrat president is going to replace a liberal Democrat. Supreme Court justice. Like that, yeah. it's not like Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying and flipping and flipping the Supreme Court entirely. Like you're yeah. you're just swapping out one for another. And the the thing that they're going to run into on this is they have to have a hundred percent backing from the Democrats to get this through. And and if if they try to push a like super woke progressive like RBG style replacement for Breyer. Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin aren't going to back that. So then they're going to end up they're the what's going to end up happening is the Democrats are going to have to they're going to effectively have to play peacekeeper to Manchin and Cinema and put somebody who's not as progressive as what they would probably like in this position. Otherwise it doesn't get through. And if it doesn't get through this year, then they're stuck with the Republican run senate next year that's not going to let them put anything in other than a moderate so like they're that they've got to really toe the line on this or they are going to be fucked well yeah well here's the thing uh joe biden has already come out and said he's going to nominate a black woman that's the number one important criteria for a supreme court justice in 2022 you got to be black and you got to be a woman and I guess it's okay for the president to uh, discrim- openly discriminate for a position. And white men in power can discriminate as much as they want. It's the those of us who are in the uh, lower to mid tiers. We are not allowed to be discriminatory. Right. Yeah. As, yeah. And you know, he was gonna he was gonna put a, a black woman in for the you know vice president, and now we're gonna get the first black woman on the Supreme Court, as if 
you know, that's going to make any difference, you know, like whether or not you're like, as long as you get a liberal in there, you'll, you'll get the, the, you'll get the exact same voting record as you will a black liberal judge. But so is, uh, did Michelle Obama pass the bar? Like, is she, uh, I remember her being floated out there for a Supreme court justice at one point, but as far as I know, there are two candidates and this was i think this was like an npr news report but there's there's one lady uh her name is katanji brown jackson i don't know if i'm pronouncing that name right um they're calling her kbj (laughs) can we just stop with the fucking three-letter uh abbreviations for supreme court justices it's really getting old the rbg and the Amy Comey, ABC or whatever, ACB, all this shit. It's enough already. But anyway, so there's there's her. She's like one of the, the contenders. And then the other one, I think, is uh, Justice Leandra Kruger. And they're both pretty young. Leandra Kruger was on Obama's list in 2016, according to this report. And uh, she served as an assistant to the deputy solicitor general in both Democrat and Republican administrations. So maybe she's the more moderate choice to to take. Um, But yeah, uh, Jackson's 51, Kruger's 45. And I mean, it it sounds like it's going to be one of those two. But I don't think he can he can go back on not nominating uh, a black woman anymore. And I, I don't know enough about any of these justices to know if there's like a moderate one or like a Republican one that Republicans would get behind in the running. <clears throat> there, there's just, there's a few things that really drive me fucking crazy is a, the open discrimination. It's like, I'm hiring a black woman, no matter what. Um, okay. Okay. Like I give a shit what they look like, what the Supreme court justice looks like and what their gender is, even though I, I thought we weren't supposed to have genders or it's fluid and all that shit, who knows, but just openly discriminating. There, there's something about that that just really fucking drives me crazy that you can just get away with it. As long as you discriminate in a certain direction, it's perfectly fine. And then just how political, like, it's just, how this would could never work this whole fucking system this three tiered system where the you know the checks and balances but you have clearly partisan like the whole game is to get your party in power and get enough people in the fucking senate so that you can get a republican judge in there who's going to go with everything that the republicans want or a democrat judge in there who's going to go with everything that the democrats want it, it, it's doomed to fail this can't work when you know your ultimate check and balance on this whole thing is nominated by one of the other two checks and balances. <laughs> like, what? Who came up with this fucking idea? I, I guess maybe it sounds good. It looks good on paper, but lo and behold, they found a way to get around all of the fucking restrictions on their constitutional powers by nominating judges and you know and getting the the senate to fucking approve the the nomination none of this can work none of it can ever not be politicized and i don't know it just it should be on full display how unworkable this whole system is if you know all of the the things that have happened up to this point isn't enough evidence just watch the way that they maneuver right before these elections to shove some shove their guy in there that's going to vote their way 
on legislation, not whether or not the, you know, the federal government has the authority to do whatever that legislation is going to have them do, but to vote their way to, to, you know, be an activist from the bench. And it just fucking drives me crazy. That's, you know, we talked about it uh, when the Supreme court ruling on the, the uh, vaccine mandates came out, like at least they finally actually looked at it from a, is, is this constitutionally allowable? And, and even Roberts, uh, like as much as I just absolutely loathe that piece of shit, even Roberts voted right on that. Like the only ones who uh, took the activist position were the liberal judges. Uh, like, and that, that's the, yeah, the Supreme Court is not supposed to be political in, in any way. It is supposed to be strictly, is this constitutional? And that's, that's it. That's the entire metric that they're supposed to use. And it's not supposed to be complicated. Um, the, the Constitution is not like, written in fucking hieroglyphics. It doesn't need to be interpreted by these wise people over there in robes. It just needs to be enforced. And it's really fucking straightforward. It says you can do this, 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 and this. And it's amazing what they've been to, been able to extrapolate from three fucking clauses. You know, the, the commerce clause. Remember, they were trying to use the commerce clause for this mask mandate shit. Um, the commerce clause, you know, necessary and proper and the... Uh, the general welfare clause. I mean, like three fucking words in the whole, the whole thing has, has taken the world's smallest government in the world to the world's largest fucking superpower that the world has ever seen. And, and it's because of this fucking, this system that they put in place that, that gives you this false sense that there's some check on federal power. It's like, Oh, who's supposed to check it? Oh, these people that the federal uh, government nominates and approves. It's like, Oh, I'm going to put a judge in here that makes my life a fucking living hell and a pain in the ass. And I can't, you know, um, accomplish any of the things that I'm supposed to accomplish. Right. I mean, because that's all we elect people to do now is to go into fucking Washington take money and spend it on shit that they're not supposed to be doing. So if that's what qualifies as, a, as an accomplishment in Washington now, why am I going to nominate somebody that's going to make it difficult for me to accomplish things and difficult for me to wield power and extrapolate fucking, you know, use all this influence that I have in, in DC and make myself wealthier in the process. Obviously, obviously it's going to end up like this. And the only, you know, it took the most ridiculous, unconstitutional totalitarianism shit ever, uh, ever, you know, instituted, uh, you know, on a large scale, but certainly in this country to get them to be like, oh, I don't know if you have the power to do this. I don't know if OSHA has the power to fucking mandate you get injected with something before you go to work. Oh, you think we actually had to fucking have a conversation about that at the hearings and arguments. What? Something unbelievable. That- Something that the, those on the left really need to do is they need to take some time to look at the relationship between uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Antonin Scalia, uh, Scalia before he passed. Uh, like, like that was when the, the Supreme Court was kind of, I don't know if you would say at its best, but like in that, like the in the late 90s, early 2000s, like the Supreme Court was kind of a constitutional court, like RBG was um she was very progressive and more of the uh 
I don't know what you want to call it, the 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 re, or, uh, activist type of judge. But her relationship with Scalia and and Scalia, his his opinion on the Constitution was that the Constitution is not a living document. It is a legal document that lays things out black and white. This is what it says, and this is what it doesn't say, and it's not open to interpretation. Like it is, it is in print as a legal document. And the relationship that he and and Ruth Bader Ginsburg had kind of maintained civility of the Supreme Court and allowed the court to rule in a relatively constitutional manner. And that's something that like that's lost on all of government here. And you know, as little as 15, 20 years later. It, but it, it, that's completely gone. Like people need to go back and look at that that relationship and and those two in their prime on the court work. And like that's that's the kind of thing that we need to re- return to is ruling from a constitutional basis, not a ideological. Yeah, not. I think this would be good. Therefore, I think I'm going to come up with some justification for the federal government to do it. Like their opinion on whether or not the legislation would be good for the country or bad for the country is fucking irrelevant. Uh, It's whether or not it says in that document that you swore an oath to uphold and defend that says they can do it. If it doesn't say they can do it, you can't do it. It's real simple. Like I could be a fucking Supreme Court judge. The Constitution is not even that long. You know, Uh, Article one, Section eight is basically all you need to fucking read. And if it's not in there, okay, that's it. This idea that it's a living, breathing document. Is there any other contract or something that would that you could get by in the court in one of their courts being like, oh, well, yeah, I just interpreted this to mean that, <laughs> even though it clearly meant this at the time. I'm changing the way that the, the, the definition meant because, you know, the year has changed. It's no longer last year. So that whole thing that we, you know, that we came to a, an agreement on before, well, you know, it changes. It changes so, yeah, based we, on my opinion of it. And we could, I, do, a, we could do a whole episode on religion because that's like the bastardization of the Bible that like that pisses me off. Uh, and it's the same thing. It, it applies across the board for our entire society. Like anything that that is something, it has been bastardized and given this like modern interpretation to change what it is and what it always has been. And that's. That's what that's what progressivism and modernism does is it bastardizes everything that was meaningful to society and changes it to mean something else now to fit this narrative of what moves us in the the right direction, but mostly in the direction that is more compliant to allowing the state to dictate everything that we do from now until we all fucking die. Yeah. And it goes all the way back to the gender thing. We're going to redefine that. And uh, it, it's all just fucking ridiculous. And I, I, I don't know why we accept it, you know, in, in the highest court in the land. We can just like, everything's open to interpretation. And there's, you know, it has no meaning, meaning that, you know, is actually set in stone. We can just decide based on who we nominate, what things are going to mean. It, 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 it really does just fucking, it, again, shows you how unsustainable this whole thing is. It, there's no way that you can have a, a society like this where nothing means anything anymore. It always changes. Imagine trying to enforce like contract law and stuff like that when everything is a, a living, breathing document. Yet we're, we're expected to abide by everything, even though we, n- none of us swore an oath to uphold and defend any of this shit. They were the ones that did that. 
Oh God. Yeah. That's uh we're 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 in for an interesting year. I'm glad it's only January. We get to we get to really watch this whole thing unfold. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. Yeah. The um so the the other thing as we sort of switch gears here that I thought was was pretty fucking hilarious to watch is and I, I know you didn't see this, but Brian Stelter, CNN's uh I don't even know what the hell he's supposed to. He's supposed to be like a, a news watchdog, right? He's supposed to watch all the other news agencies and, and tell you how they're doing. Um, I don't know if he's looked inward at CNN's ratings lately, but I think they're down like 90% from when Trump like, was do they have him watching? Do they have him watching everybody else because their own stuff is unwatchable? Like, <laughs> Yeah, right. It's like you can't watch CNN. Even he can't watch CNN. So he's got to watch Fox News and obsess over what they're doing. But so th- this was really fucking interesting to watch. He is he goes to some school. Where was this school? Uh, it was in New York. And this teacher is teaching these kids about how to spot misinformation. This is like a whole class that they take about misinformation and how to spot it. And it's being taught, ironically, in a government school, which the very existence of that school, I would uh, argue, is misinformation. Like, the only thing you're not going to be misinformed about is maybe the alphabet. I don't know. I mean, even math, they don't teach math anymore. They got that weird fucking, uh, uh, was it Common Core? (laughs) Like... (laughs) I don't know. Nothing in government schools is fucking actually true information anymore, especially when it comes to history. Have you looked at Common Core math? I have. I understand the like I understand the concept around it. I taught my kids how to do math regularly. And then I was like, all right, this is how you actually get the answer. And then you're just going to have to backtrack and figure out how to make it all like all of their bullshit fit. But I'll, I'll teach you how to do math the right way. And then it's up to you to figure out how to bullshit your way through making them or getting them to give you the grade <laughs> because they do get, they, they get points counted off if they do math normal and they don't yeah. do math. In you're the not like format. counting the little, like the edges of the number, like, Oh, this four has three things. They add that to like some other retarded thing that they came up with. Yeah. So I taught my kids how to do math, like a normal human being does math. And then like you get the right answer and then you can backtrack your way to how you came to that answer but yeah, like just, i'll teach you how to do math for just real. Say the, yeah say the dumb write down the dumbest thing that you can think of in the most discombobulated backwards way of getting to an answer it takes 10 times as long and is 18 times more confusing and just put that in there <laughs> it's like, but so yeah these kids are in the school to learn about misinformation from somebody who's probably been misinforming them the entire fucking time and, you know, what's not lost on me is that every kid in this classroom is wearing a mask, not an N95 mask like we've been told now are the only ones that work, but the cloth ones that um, for the last two years, they've been misinformed unless they've been, you know, listening to this podcast or maybe some other good libertarians out there who have been explaining to you that these masks don't do anything. But yeah, they're all wearing the cloth mask, including the teacher, including Brian Stelter. And I just thought, you know, you just can't make this shit up. Brian Stelter, CNN, who spent, I don't know, the entire Trump presidency talking about Russia collusion 
and and trying to impeach him over you know um quid pro quos <laughs> uh I, I don't know it, it lied us into you know all kinds of fucking war like their misinformation has done more damage to the world than anything that they're t- you know they're talking about people on twitter uh, you know, tweeting something they, they showed at this one point, I guess we can watch the clip. I can share my screen. We can watch the clip, but for those of us, uh, those of you who can't see what's going on, you don't have the video up for some reason. Uh, you know, they had this picture of like somebody on a boat with a shark under the water. And I guess it's a fake picture. It's like, Oh God, misinformation. Somebody said they saw a shark when they didn't actually see a shark, but you know, uh, there are weapons of mass destruction over there and uh, Russia collusion. And now we got to clear out our embassy because Russia is going to attack. And uh, by the way, COVID is like the most deadly thing ever and yada, yada, yada. So let's go ahead and uh, let me see if I can figure out how to share my screen again and pull up that clip. Uh, Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, 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 Bear with me here. Oh, share my screen. Boom. Which one this guy, let's share that. Barbara King to arm this eighth grade class. All right, so today's topic is misinformation. With the tools they will need in a world of information saturation. We're going to learn to identify the various types of misinformation. And there is a lot to learn. They're called satire, false context, false context. That's content. a good one for CNN manipulated content and fabricated content. Just imagine trying to make sense of all of this. Hang on, I gotta pause it right there because that's literally all CNN is. Boom, false content, manipulated content. Like- manipulated content. Uh, wasn't CNN the one that ran the uh, the Kentucky shooting range and said that it was like somewhere in the Middle East? Or was that CB- maybe that yeah. was CBS? Oh, wow. Okay. What about the you know the lines of people that couldn't get into the hospital in the middle of summer that were wearing like fucking parkas and all these puffy ass winter coats because manipulated of, uh, content? You know the the Indian with the drum banging in the guys in the kid's face who was supposedly harassing him when apparently he wasn't harassing him at all. It was actually the guy with the drum doing all of the harassment. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, they took like an hour and a half of video and showed you like a four second clip of it. And then I believe they, they owed that kid hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. For, I mean, I, I can't fucking believe that they run these stories and, and people take them fucking, Oh, reliable sources, by the way, at reliable sources, in case you're wondering where to pick up on the misinformation. I mean, I guess in a way, Brian Stelter is the man to be doing this segment because nobody has misinformed the American public more than fucking CNN, at least over the last, I don't know, six years or so than this guy and that fucking network. I just like how they're giving both of us plugs because they talk about teaching students how to separate fact from fiction. That's the- there you go. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Okay. Let's keep going. As a teenager, now we go to imposter content. What does imposter mean? Trying someone trying to be someone else, right? You hear that word was an imposter. So an imposter content uses either a well-known name, a brand, or a logo to fool people into believing that it's authentic. As the web becomes even more of a wild west every day, the students here at PS207 in Queens, New York 
know that they need these lessons. A lot of students have social media, and if they're looking at stuff that is like wrong and just telling everyone that, that it's right, and they're just giving everyone false information. King began teaching media literacy seven years ago. Why the initial impulse to teach about this? I feel it's a skill that uh, that my students really need. Um, there's too much misinformation around us in the world, and I want to give them some tools to make sense of what they're seeing. She uses curriculum from the News Literacy Project, a nonpartisan education nonprofit. Founder Alan Miller says these lessons are now used by more than 37,000 educators. What do, I, what do I mean by I want you to critically think about what you're seeing on the internet. The goal is to equip future generations of savvy Just the internet, Just the internet. not TV. Consumers. Don't critically so think about that. So in the picture, that. it looks like, like a car is like on a highway and there's like a shark in the water. And what was, okay, so what are we looking at? We're looking at uh, what type of uh, a social media? What, is, what kind of account is that? Twitter. Twitter. It's an infamous fake, one that gets reshared every time there's a hurricane. God, and so these dangerous. students are sharing tips so they don't get fooled. On Google, there is this little picture of a camera and you can add the image in there and it would reverse search it. So ultimately, news literacy is about something bigger. It's about basic critical thinking skills. Correct, yeah. correct. How do you try to connect those dots? Uh, How do you get Brian Stelter into this class, first of all? Is it, is it too late to enroll? A, like, How old is he, like a 50 year old? He's like, he, he's like our age he's he's not that old actually he just he just looks like he's in his 50s he's he's actually our age oh my god maybe you lose a hair for every fucking item of information uh, for every for every lie you tell you you lose a hair that's why we both got full heads of hair and he's right. up all as a fucking monk <laughs> Yeah, every time he loses a hair, I get one like somewhere on my back or my fucking whatever. Yeah, you grab another uh, facial hair. <laughs> um, well, the, to me, this is a real world problem. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's so it's very easy to bring that in when I when they start realizing I can utilize these skills in anything that I do. After the class, students told me the lessons hit close to home. Do any of you feel like you? try to correct friends or family now based on what you've learned? Almost. Really? Yeah. I mean, like, like when COVID first started, like my family like thought that, wow, this is a hoax. But then I'm like, this is real. Like people are really dying, getting sick from it. I really just wanted to believe that it was fake, you know, cause I didn't want that to really happen to me, but it was real and it just changed everyone's lives, honestly. I mean, that gets to the motivations of you, you want to believe something, but you got to face reality head on. Are they like fake articles? Like you, maybe you want to believe it, but like it's not true and you have to like research if it's really true or not. More traffic into this fake site. They also said their peers would benefit from this class. Do you all feel like every student needs to be learning news literacy? Yeah. All right, that's... These kids need better parents. Dude, oh my God. I... <laughs> the level of ridiculousness and that and he's giving them leading questions to begin with he's like oh do you guys feel like you're benefiting from this? but notice how it was all about unreliable information on the internet not on the tv like don't trust that internet trust me at reliable sources brian stelter you may remember me from such movies as like weapons of mass destruction and uh the donald trump is a russian asset and <laughs> 
COVID's real. COVID's totally real. Absolutely. Everything they told you about COVID was 100% true and reliable, including those masks that everybody's wearing right now that they've actually come out now and said, do nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, these kids, kids are like these poor fucking kids, man. It's seeing them in the masks in class. I could not imagine going through school like that. Uh, I hated school to begin with, but to have to sit there with a fucking mask on and tell Brian. So I say the reason that they're they're really making this push against internet sources is I I can't uh, see. I'm gonna have to look the poll up. There was a there was a poll that was done uh, not too long ago that showed that the majority of people are now getting their news from either Facebook, Twitter, or like podcasts and stuff. Like most people are not are not tuning into the like the traditional news sources. So like they they have to targetedly go after internet news sources like Twitter, like Facebook, and and try to promote that these are fake inf- or you know fake news, false information, misinformation, stuff like that, because they are summarily being overrun. Like the the mainstream methods of receiving news are losing and and they're losing fast. And I mean to me that's a beautiful thing. But like you see like from articles or, or you know segments like this, like this is their reeling to try to stay relevant when the when the general population does not think they're relevant anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is the last ditch effort of a dying organization still stuck in their fucking way, like the Joe Biden administration as well. Like they can't change with the times. They've lost all their fucking credibility. And all they can do is be like, don't listen to those guys. Listen to us. Here's your fucking government propaganda class about how unreliable the internet is. I would put just about anything on the internet up against CNN's track record and be perfectly fine with that. I I don't know what to tell you. Like, I remember when I was in school, one of my one of my teachers was like, you, you know, talking about using reliable sources for like a project or something. And she's like, anything with a dot gov address is reliable. You can trust that one. And, you know, Sierra, some of these other, you know, just the dot coms, those you can't use those. <laughs> just like, wow. Wow. Anything with a dot gov, take that with a fucking grain of salt. And I will submit to you the last two years of your life as a fucking my article, you know. Exhibit A in my fucking court case against these fucking bastards, man. Absolutely. <laughs> See, I guess we we kind of came into the uh, the dot com internet era at an interesting time because we were both in college when you could start using uh, web sources for like writing papers and stuff, but but you had to like really vet that stuff and look at it and and it was still su- like you had to have backups because it was still subject to like or at least for me, like your professor could go look into your sources and come back and say, yeah, that's not good. You're going to have to find a different one to replace that. Like, you know, the, the, the internet was still kind of a uh, fringe idea at that time. Like it wasn't anything near what it is today. Like when I did high school term papers, we weren't allowed to use any online sources. Like if I could find a source online, I would have to be able to link it back to a newspaper or a magazine article and actually go find the physical. <laughs> like I could, I could find it online, but I had to be able to find the physical 
newspaper or magazine to provide as the source. I couldn't just go straight strictly off of the, you know, whatever.com. Right. Or it wouldn't oh, be Oh, you mean you couldn't just use an anonymous source close to the story that, you know, CNN just fucking makes up for everything. Somebody close to the Trump organization. Like get the fuck out of here. Reliable source. Somebody had Somebody who has knowledge of what's going on in Afghanistan says that Russia is putting bounties on soldiers. Or prefers to remain anonymous, an anonymous source. I mean, how many anonymous sources did they cite from 2016 to 2020? I mean, every fucking article was an anonymous source, everything that came out. And they're launching this massive campaign that, I mean, like, I don't know, you're playing around with two fucking superpowers that have a bunch of nuclear missiles and shit. You know, millions of lives are potentially hanging in the balance. But, but the picture of that shark from the flood from last month, that's fake. That's fake shit. And that's a very serious thing. And that's why we're having this class because we don't want, you know, to put yourself in danger of, you know, fearing of sharks the next time you're caught in a hurricane or, or something. I don't, like that's what they could point to. The, the biggest thing that they could point to is a picture of a fucking shark that was photoshopped. Oh my god! Imagine, imagine if the entire fucking world thought that that shark was actually in that river or whatever instead of in the ocean where it should be. They would do society a hell of a lot more good if instead of teaching these kids how to identify fake news or you know false information, they taught them how to have a uh, dude, I lost you on that. You broke up. Sorry. <laughs> oh, uh, we will edit this in post. That's a, it, it would do the world a whole lot more good if instead of trying to teach these high school kids how to have or how to identify false information or fake news, they taught them how to have a sense of fucking humor. And yeah. that's all they need to do. Oh, God. Yeah, please. Stop like churning out these miserable, miserable fucking people that want to ruin everything. Like there's nothing good that's coming out that isn't, you know, on like Netflix and stuff. There's no new material coming out. It's always like a remake and we're just going to turn this white person black and we're going to call it or like throw in, you know, like some you know, bisexual and a lesbian and a gender neutral, whatever the fuck to give these people like these characters like depth and development. Like everything sucks now. Everything sucks. And it's no coincidence that, you know, these fucking mindless government schools are churning out people that they, they can't think critically. They can't be creative because creativity is like racist and offensive. And, you know, nobody nobody wants to try to like go up to the line and, and color outside the fucking uh, edges on anything. And it's just, God, they're, they're destroying fucking society. But I, I now know that that was not a real shark in that hurricane from like six years ago or something that I was really concerned about. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think we could probably get coming up on time here. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, long story short, don't bother tuning into the Peddling Fiction podcast. You can get all your reliable news and information from CNN and Brian Stelter in particular. You can follow them at Reliable Sources on Twitter. And um, 
if you want some more fake news and, and you know, people that are constantly wrong about everything, we'll be at, at Pedal Fiction on Twitter. Join our private Facebook group where we do nothing but get violations for disinformation. And there's a weekly meme stream on there as well. And um, yeah. Oh, if you want to become a supporting listener of the show, go to peddlingfictionpodcast.com. Support your local um, unreliable sources. And every other Friday, we get together and plot our next uh, bullshit story that we're going to perpetuate on the American people, try to get millions of people killed. And if you guys can do all that for us, we will be back. I don't know. What do we think this weekend? Maybe you want to go for Saturday again until I hit Friday, up. Saturday. We can see what, see how it plays out. All right, cool. Uh, later this week with a brand new episode that you shouldn't listen to, according to Brian Stelter for you guys. And until then, you know the drill. Let's watch CNN. Keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.